0: Hi, my name is Mark Rushworth and I'm one of the leaders at Christ Central Church here in Fredericton. It's great to have you with us, whether you are here in New Brunswick or whether you're watching us from somewhere else in the world uh, as we continue in our series in Philippians. Over the last seven weeks, our worlds have all got increasingly smaller. Our freedom to do the things that we used to do has been limited or stopped altogether. Some of us haven't really spent much time out of our home, We haven't been able to see our friends and family aside from on a TV screen. For many of us, it's been a lonely time. Some of us who are living here in New Brunswick have recently been able to spend more time with one other household uh, and have some close contact with them as the restrictions have been eased a little. But for those who don't have close family here, it's actually been a time of greater loneliness as they've been hearing of people meeting up with friends, maybe watching uh, videos of that on social media, um, yet they themselves haven't found anyone yet who they can connect with in person. Social media platforms like Zoom or House Party are great, and we're thankful for the technology, but it can all quickly get tiring, and it's difficult to feel that same sense of connectedness when you get uh, that you get when you have someone to talk to or hug. It's very easy. To feel alone. I mean it's tough. We're thankful that here in New Brunswick we've had very few cases of COVID-19 and so far there have been no deaths. We know that in many places in the world there are people there who are also having to deal with much sickness and death and grieving but even so it's still hard and you know it's okay to say that. It's okay to say that we're struggling. It's okay to tell each other, and it's okay to tell God. The Bible's full of times when people poured out their hearts about how they were feeling to God. You just need to look at the books of Lamentations or Psalms to see that. But you know, this sense of loneliness which we might be aware of right now, it's not something that's new. Society become even more and more isolated over the last number of years and issues to do with loneliness have been increasing. People want close friendships, but they don't know where to find them. They try all sorts of casual relationships and entertainment, but the loneliness is still there. They try to find popularity at school, on social media, on YouTube, but it doesn't heal the deep ache that's within. They sometimes sit on their own in coffee shops so that they can be lonely in community. Even in church, people are looking for deep friendships, but they're scared to make the first move and they can often leave the meeting feeling even more lonely and isolated than when they went in. But it goes even deeper than this. You see, it's not meant to be like this. God says in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, it's not good for man to be alone. God created us, to be in community. We're made in the likeness and in the image of God, and he is in perfect community. Father, Son, Spirit, perfect community together. So we're created for relationship. Relationship with him and relationship with each other. But sin got in the way of all that. In Genesis and chapter 3, we see how sin separates us from God and separates us from each other. Once sin comes into the world, Adam and Eve, they hide from God rather than spending wonderful time with him. And then they start blaming each other for the mess that they're in. Fear, distrust and isolation come into the world. And we all experience it even today. So we can easily feel that sense of isolation and loneliness in our lives because we all desire something greater, something more fulfilling, something that will enable us to be how God intended us to be. Last week we began a series on the book of Philippians, a letter which Paul wrote to the church in the city of Philippi, modern day Greece, which he was involved in starting. But Paul's not with the church right now. In fact, he's not with anyone. He's writing the letter from prison, probably in Rome. He's isolated and he's alone, maybe like many of us are right now. So let's see what he has to say to this church and let's see how we can apply it to our lives today. We'll pick it up from verse 2 of chapter 1 as Paul gets into the letter. He says this, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, and praise of God. Well the first thing that you might think when you're reading a letter like this that Paul's writing is that he doesn't sound as though he's a man who's writing from a prison cell. His whole introduction is talking about peace and thankfulness and joy, affection, love and righteousness. So how is Paul able to do that? I mean what what's his secret? The answer comes in verse 4. Where he says, in all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. Paul's answer, his secret to joyfulness, is gospel partnership. The Philippians are connected with him, partnered with him in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one joining us together, Jesus is at the centre of our relationships. You see, Paul should be really depressed as he's writing this. He has no wife, no kids, no grandkids, no home, no home church. He's broke. He may be sick. He might be near the end of his life. He's writing to a church that he's not able to be with, and he's in prison. But instead, he talks to the Philippian church about how much joy he has because of their gospel partnership with him. So what is this gospel partnership? And how do we get involved in it? What do we have to do? The great news is, it's not so much about what we have to do, it's about what Jesus Christ has already done. That's why Paul starts off his letter by saying, Grace and peace to you. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve as a free gift. And that brings us peace. And that's exactly what the gospel is. It's great news. The word gospel means great news. The great news is that after humankind has messed up this perfect relationship that we had with God and each other, God didn't turn his back on us and start over again. God pursued us and he kept on pursuing us even though we kept on rejecting him. We see it all the way through the Bible. Possibly one of the best examples in the Old Testament is Ezekiel chapter 20 where God's making all of these promises about what he's going to do to bless his people. He says, I'm going to bring you into a land flowing with milk and honey. But then it accounts that the people rebel and God says, "Okay, okay, if you're going to rebel, I'm going to pour my wrath out upon you. But then he relents and he looks on them with pity and he gives them another opportunity. And in that chapter, it just goes on time and time again. You should read the chapter and find out more. And then in the New Testament, we see God's grace fully expressed in Christ Jesus. God sends his own son to the world to bring us love and healing and restoration. And yet the world turns against him and crucifies him. But even on the cross, the grace of God is shown. Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They're killing the son of God. And yet Jesus says, Father, forgive them. And as we read on in the New Testament, we understand more of what is happening right there and then. We understand that this action of us rejecting and pushing God away, even crucifying him on a cross, is the very means that God is using to draw us close to him. Because it's as Jesus dies on the cross that all our sin and rebellion is dealt with and we're able to receive God's free gift of grace. Restored relationship with God, peace with him and through that restored relationship with each other. And that restoration strikes an acts at the root and the heart of our loneliness. That deep sense of being alone in this world is dealt with. Because we now have a deep relationship with the One who created us, and the One who says we can call Him Father, and we're able to live in restored relationships with the others who also know this love and grace, and it's all been done for us. All we have to do is repent. We humble ourselves and we turn away from trying to figure out life ourselves, as we recognize and realize we we can't do anything to restore relationship with God. And we receive the peace of God. That's the great news. That's the gospel. And after we've received the gospel, Jesus is at the centre of everything in our lives. The gospel of Jesus Christ is at the centre of our marriages. The gospel of Jesus is at the centre of our families and our friendships. The gospel helps us to humble ourselves and to repent and forgive each other. We decide to treat each other the way that God's treated us. By the power of the Spirit, we're able to do that. We learn what to do with sin by bringing it to the foot of the cross and allowing it to be dealt with, setting us free from guilt and shame rather than allowing that guilt and shame to destroy everything as it slowly eats away at us and all our relationships. So, as we think about our relationships with people, we're not looking back on our lives and just seeing one long broken, one long line of broken relationships full of hurt and anger, bitterness disappointment. And that's what most people have in their lives as they look back friendships that have gone badly wrong, betrayals and hurts, marriages and relationships that were once a source of pleasure and hope. And, now broken in pieces which pierce our hearts and bring us pain and regret. Parents and children who once looked into each other's eyes with such love now not wanting to relate and constantly aware of the pain and the uh, hurt that they've caused each other. It doesn't need to be like that. Paul looks at his relationship with the church in Philippi that he knew and he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. I mean, even in churches like Corinth, a church where some of the people there have got some major issues with him, he writes to them and he says, I always thank God for you. Why? Because of his grace given to you in Christ Jesus. These are partners with him in the gospel. And receiving all that helps us to have good memories of people that we can be thankful about because they're restored relationships. Debbie and I, my wife, have, have, have seen this act in action in our own lives. A number of years ago, we found ourselves in very deep uh, conflict in the relationship with our closest friends. It was incredibly difficult and, and heartbreaking, and sin, our own sin, was, was driving us apart. Yet, yeah, because of the gospel, because we'd all known the love and undeserved grace of Christ Jesus, because we knew we'd been forgiven and had friendship with God, because we learned to humble ourselves and, and repent and receive grace and give grace, God ultimately did restore that friendship and relationship. It was a hard, hard time. But God turned it around because of the gospel. In fact, he strengthened that friendship even more. So now, even though we're separated by many miles, I can truly say when I think of them, I thank my God every time I remember them. Because of their partnership in the gospel. It's the gospel, the good news, the great news about Christ Jesus that unites us and brings us joy. And the gospel's still going forward. God's still at work, even in the hardest of times. In fact, it's in times like this that people realise that they need the gift of grace that God brings. So, because of God's grace to us, people are being changed. Sin is being forgiven. Relationships are being worked out. Even in the darkest times, the gospel goes forward. It always has. It always will. In fact, it's in the darkness that the light of God shines the brightest. If you've been searching for something to deal with that deep loneliness that you have, this is the only place you're going to find it. In the gospel of Jesus Christ. And even when we've received that grace, then we can have confidence it won't be taken away. See what Paul says in verse 6 as he remembers them and prays for the Philippians with joy. He says, being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Some people know that at one time they received and understood the love of God. But because of things that have happened since, things that they've done, things that they might regret, they wonder whether God's given up on them. Perhaps they've come to know the love and grace of God, but then they've just found they keep messing up. They keep falling back into sinful ways. They wonder how many times that God will keep forgiving them. Maybe he won't anymore. They feel such guilt and shame. They're very aware of their faithlessness towards God. But the wonderful news is, God's love still isn't dependent on what we've done or about how faithful we are to him. God isn't faithless, he's faithful. It's never been about how faithful we are. It's always been about how faithful he is. And that's where we find the strength to persevere, to keep going, because God always perseveres. He always keeps on going with us. We'll never wear out his grace. Once we've understood this, once we've understood the fullness of the gospel, that God will never give up on us, we're able to keep going we'll never give up on him because we've understood he's not going to let go of us. Paul is confident of it. He's not confident in it because he's confident of the character of the Philippian church. He's confident of it because he's confident of the character of God. God is going to carry his work on us to completion. He's putting the finishing touches to us. And he's doing it in our day-to-day life. He's doing it through the Philippians, through the circumstances they're going through. He's doing it in him. God's doing it in Paul. He's in prison. And God's doing it in us through all the hardships that we're going through. And Paul says he's feeling this way about them, whether he's in prison or whether he's defending or confirming the gospel. He longs for them with the affection of Christ. Do you see what he's saying here? How he feels about them doesn't depend on the circumstances. He says the truth is they share God's grace with him, no matter what. Whether he's proclaiming the gospel, planting churches, seeing God powerfully at work, or whether he's alone and locked up in a prison cell. So because of all this, Paul says he's encouraging them and he's praying for them. And he's reminding them of these truths. And we need reminding too, daily. And Paul doesn't just pray for them. He tells them he's praying for them and he tells them what he's praying for them. This is a super encouraging thing to do. It's great to pray for people, but it's even better. If you're praying for them, tell them that you're praying for them. And if you tell them that you're praying for them, tell them what you're praying for them. We can't be face to face with people now, not most people, but we can communicate with each other. We can communicate with each other by letter or by email or text or messenger. We can connect with each other over the internet. And we can remind each other of the gospel. And we can pray for each other. If you don't know what to pray for people, then follow Paul's example. Well, what's Paul's prayer? He prays that their love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that they can discern what is best and they can be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. He's basically saying, as we get to know more about God and what he's done for us, we're going to be able to love each other more and more. And that's what he's praying will happen. And we'll be able to figure out what's best in our lives. And once we've figured that out, we'll be able to live it out because of what God's done in us. He's saying, I pray pray that you'll get to get Get to know God more. Well, how can we do that? The main way we can do it is through reading his word, the Bible, and seeing and understanding who God is. Now, we might say, well, I don't want to read about God. I want to focus on knowing God. I want to experience God. And that can sound like it makes sense, can't it? We can all know God experientially through the Holy Spirit, which is wonderful. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But we don't only want to have an experience or a feelings-based relationship with God because our feelings change day by day. The experiences that we seek aren't always available to us. We can't always have the highs of great events together where we can sense God's presence, whether it's some concert or a conference or even our church weekend away. In fact, we can't do any of those things right now. But we can get to know God more and more. Because we love God, we want to know more about him. And the more we know about him, the more we love him. It'd be a strange relationship with Debbie, my wife, that I had if I never wanted to know anything about her. If I just said, oh, never mind all that. I just want to be with you. I don't want to know much about anything about you. When I first met Debbie, I wanted to know all about her. What she'd done, her life before she met me, her hopes and dreams, her experiences, the good times that she'd been through, and the heartbreaking times that she'd been through as well. It all helped me to get to know and love Debbie. And that's what Paul is praying that the Philippians will know about God. And that's what I'm praying that you will all know. Because as you read the Bible, as you sing worship songs which are full of truth about God, not just about how you feel about God, as you really understand the gospel and God's love for you and how God will never let go of you, you'll be able to work out how to live your life. You'll be able to make good decisions. You'll live lives which are holy and pleasing to God. Some of us genuinely love God, but we don't really take the time to understand and learn more about God and his love. So we're not that good at discerning and figuring out how to live our lives. And we get pulled into a lot of stuff that others are doing that maybe aren't very helpful. And we can put our trust in people who aren't very trustworthy. And we can easily get tangled up in sin again. God wants us to realise we can live free of all that as we understand and know him better. So, how can we find joy in our loneliness? We find it through partnership in the gospel of Christ Jesus. We don't find it in our circumstances. They will change. We will have times of blessing and plenty and we will have times of lack and restriction. And for most of us this is such a time. But our joy doesn't come from what's going on in our lives. Our joy comes from an understanding and a living out of the gospel. The great news of Jesus Christ. The great news that through Jesus we've been restored in our relationship with God. The great news that we've been restored in our relationship with others. The great news that God will never give up on us. The great news that he's putting the finishing touches on us until he returns. The great news that as we understand more and more of this, he's changing us, making our love abound more and more. The great news that we're able to live and see a new way to live our lives and discern what's best. And the great news that we can receive the righteousness of Christ freely given to us and live it out to his praise and glory. That's how we'll be able to deal with loneliness at times like this and find real joy. I pray that you will all be able to know God's love for yourself and find his peace and joy wherever you are right now. I just want to close by taking a little time to pray for us. So right where you are, and don't let this be a self-conscious thing, why don't you just reach out your hands before God, and why don't you just open your heart to him? Reaching out your hands is a way of just saying, God, I'm open to you. And I just want to pray that the Holy Spirit will come and speak some of the truth that I've just been proclaiming into your hearts today. So why don't we pray? Holy Spirit, I just want to ask you right now that you will come. You'll come to each one of us as we're before you. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you do come when we ask you to. And I pray that you will make real the truth that's in your word, that we've just been speaking about. I pray for each one of us now, we will know your love. We will know that you love us. We will know that you will never let go of us. That your grace comes, not because of anything that we've done, but because of everything that you've done. Holy Spirit, I pray we would know your forgiveness, even if it's for the first time, I pray people today would know your love and forgiveness for the very first time and they'd find true relationship with you. Come, keep working in us, Lord. Thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Hope to see you soon. Have a great week.